Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. Welcome back to another episode of On Culture. My name is Mike Sherman, and I am glad to be speaking with you today. I'm playing solo uh, because of some traveling I was doing, and I'll tell you just a bit about that uh, as we get started. Um, I traveled to a church uh, in South Carolina to do some work for Embassy Equipping. Uh, On Culture is part of the Embassy uh, Substack newsletter, which is kind of part of or adjacent to Uh, my company, Embassy Equipping, and I had an opportunity to uh, go there and uh, do some individual and some team and some large group uh, conversations and presentations on cultural engagement uh, and on leadership development. Uh, And I just had a a great experience uh, with those people uh, at Mount Horeb uh, UMC uh, in Lexington, South Carolina. I want to say thanks to all those uh, folks as well. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Embassy Equipping, it's embassyequipping.com. Check that out uh, and see what, uh, what, what might be of interest uh, to you or for your, your church or organization uh, there. But we're going to talk uh, today about uh, the latest, latest um, uh, newsletter from uh, the embassy uh, called A Practical Impractical Hope. And as we sort of... Uh, transition into that, I, if you're of a certain age, you might remember a time before um, sort of an active uh, evangelical political presence. Uh, and I think that was, you have to be, you know, of a certain age. Uh, and I was a young person back, uh, let's say in the 70s, when, you know, early 70s in particular, uh, the church, the evangelical church was not very politically uh, connected uh, at the time, uh, and in a way, uh, I think by design, it was sort of a, sort of a piety, sort of withdrawal from the world uh, in all things uh, cultural um, and political, sort of by byproduct of that. Uh, you know, that was back to a time when uh, I mean, I say this, but there's still uh, people now who perhaps have these uh, priorities where. You know, going to movies or any sort of um, secular cultural um, expression was sometimes viewed with uh, hesitation or suspicion or really just outright uh, not allowed. Uh, and so partly because of that, uh, the church often just kind of stayed out of the, the public affairs of, of, the, of the world, uh, in particular uh, politics. And, you know, the too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good was one of the things that was, you know, one of the descriptions that might have been been apt Too disconnected from the real world, you know, from the messy reality, uh, escaped into some pie in the sky by and by, you know, we're just sort of uh, have a, a completely heavenly focus and to the exclusion of being involved in the nitty gritty of the world. And of course, that's that's a huge, you know, overstatement. I'm, you know, generalizing. There were lots of uh, other, you know, community ministry uh, or and in, in, in mission organizations going on, but uh, community ministry in particular was less uh, prevalent uh, at that time. 
And uh, all of that began to change in the 70s, in particular. The Roe decision, of course, was 1973. Uh, that uh, bit by bit led to a more politically engaged church. Uh, it was in that time that this thing called, what that was called the moral majority uh, was formed, where conservative evangelical Christians began to be um, more engaged in politics. Uh, uh Focus on the family, uh, the, the Dobson organization developed a sort of political uh, arm, if you will. And in time, the political began to out overshadow. I don't think it ever was you know, bigger, but it became, because it was public and political, it was the part of Focus on the Family that most of the world began to see. And, of course, all of this had some sort of response and sort of a reaction from the world around it. And, you know, as evangelicals became, became more politically connected, uh, there were obviously upsides and downsides. Uh, to be fair, uh, before that, there was a lot of disconnection that probably wasn't helpful. There was a, a kind of a looking away uh, and staying away and keeping hands clean, if you will, uh, from, you know, getting into uh, where the world actually needed help. But that per perhaps began to shift and uh, I would say maybe the evangelicals are now a, a bit too connected uh, politically in, in, into the culture wars in particular. And there's now a lot of anxiety and outrage and, you know, point scoring and rock throwing uh, in a, a very, very secular uh, culture war and political war. And we, you know, we may be flipping that script somewhat in some cases to be to at least appear to be to the world around us, if you monitor social media feeds or whatever, to be too, um, to, to be too earthly minded, to be any heavenly good, to be, to, to present to the world that the things we're really most focused on are political things or culture war things. And, uh, I kind of wanted to, uh, I wrote this piece as sort of a reminder, uh, of the importance of a, a internal perspective that um, we believe we're in this big eternal st story and that at some point, you know, we will be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians uh, 5. And, you know, we, meanwhile, we groan. Uh, we groan and uh, yearning for that uh, in hope. And as the one you know, depressing or uh, horrific uh, event in the news follows another, uh, we do have this hope. And yet, it's not only hope uh, for another time. It's something we can, we can act in as well. Because surely we can just respond back to where things were. And uh, I think many people do have that uh, temptation uh, to look at the events of the world and just withdraw back away from them all and stay away from them all and think only of the future uh, and be, you know, retreat back to being perhaps too heavenly minded to be any, any earthly good. Uh, I, what I'm hoping for is to try to have a conversation about what it means to be uh, heavenly minded for earthly good, that we can be, we can act now in hope. Um, and I think, you know, I mentioned Don Quixote uh, in his famous story, um, Tilting at Windmills. 
And, you know, I think in the story he does that because he's, it's a substitute for, you know, a, a broken world that's a hopeless, that seemed more hopeless than, than tilting at windmills, which is sort of the symbol of, of hopeless or futile uh, action. And, you know, I wonder if many of us in the evangelical world seem to be sort of tilting against the windmills of the culture or our cultural enemies or uh, political enemies, um, because I think you know doing sometimes the real work of the kingdom is is hard, and this is perhaps it seems e- easier. It's hard to to live transformed. It's hard to forgive uh, those who've hurt us. It's hard to be humble. Uh, it's hard to uh, act in hope without uh, a real promise of of how that will produce real fruit in the in the world. And I think in particular now, as I've noticed uh, in some of the public discourse in the evangelical camp, that there are some who would label those actions, patience, uh, humility, listening for the best from others instead of the worst, as just, you know, the futile actions of losers. Uh, and, you know, it may be in the, in the short run, it may be that that doesn't produce some sort of political gain. Uh, but that gain, I think, is fleeting, and those losses perhaps are fleeting when we're thinking about and living in the hope of what is promised, of the story that we're in. And I just uh, want to suggest that in this story that we're in, winning may just look different uh, than we expect. And that, uh, and the kind of losing that we might, or, or what might be labeled losing, uh, it makes sense uh, in this eternal backdrop uh, of hope. And uh, I reference uh, the, the episode, it's, it's in Luke 5, I think it's also in the book of Mark, where uh, verses 18 and 19, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. That's kind of a crazy story. I think if 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 you're somebody who's been in the church a long time and you've heard this, uh, you know everything be, uh, becomes less cra- crazy or seems less crazy because it's familiar. But uh, you know, here were a group of friends that acted what seemed like, in a way that seemed like crazy. You know, they can't get to Jesus because of the crowds around them, and so they go around to the back of this house. Uh, and climb up on the roof and chop a hole in the roof and lower him in. And because they had a, they had a friend who they, couldn't walk and they uh, they couldn't help him walk. There was nothing else to be done, uh, which in that time meant he could um, hardly have a life in the sense that someone could now. Uh, but they acted in this hope, which seemed you know, crazy, but in a, it, it, it was the most practical thing in a sense they could have done. And it was an act of agency and action, but also dependency and also trust and also faith. And, and as a result, the man was healed. First, he was eternally healed. Jesus you know, forgave his sins. And, and when the religious leaders uh, reacted against that and considered that out of bounds, he, he healed him, uh, in, you know, he, he allowed him to walk uh, as a proof of the, that the first healing was genuine, 
that uh, his, his sins were in, indeed forgiven and it was a guarantee of what, what was to come. And so his faith, you know, made him well. And so that's a situation that I think resonates with me, uh, that uh, it seems like what we might do, what we might be called to do uh, in the world around us, to act in a hope, seems crazy sometimes or, or impractical. Uh, but it it might be the most practical thing that we can do uh, because we have a hope that is not it that is based in this eternal story but it's it's here for us now uh, it, it gives meaning to us now uh, and it's a hope that calls us to act in what seems to be sort of an impractical crazy uh, hope and uh, as we think of the, you know, the greatest symbol of that hope, the resurrection, uh, Easter, uh, that uh, our destiny uh, and the power that makes our destiny secure uh, all comes, is, is symbolized in the resurrection. That uh, God did something crazy and uh, seemingly impossible uh, in his power and that shows us that we can we can act in that way and that hope is given uh, for us. And so as we uh, are moving away from uh, a celebration of Easter, as, as that's receding into the past, uh, that, you know, I kind of wanted to say Happy Easter, and I'm late uh, in that, but that that is what Easter means uh, to us, is that the power of the resurrection is made uh, plain and made uh, clear and made active uh, because of our faith in God uh, who raised uh, Jesus from the dead. And that's the, the foundational, if you will, Christian uh, belief. Uh, but it's more than simply a belief. It's more than simply a acceptance of a historical account or an acceptance of a theological truth that in that hope we are called into action. And so, you know, as we're uh, coming to the end of this time here in my, my solo podcast, I kind of want to, you know, ask the question, what does that impractical hope look like for you? And what does that seemingly futile action, whether it's patience with someone or forgiveness of someone, uh, or, you know, seemingly engaging in some sort of uh, work that will help uh, those around us that seems hopeless or impractical or crazy and uh how can we resist the the pull of of what seems impossible the 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 pull of withdrawing away from the, the problems of the world and and living our own uh cloistered uh, spiritual experience or the pull of uh simply um defining myself by that that battle but you know finding my virtue in fighting the culture war and instead of you know one extreme or, or another how can we encourage one another uh, to live in the middle uh, and to act in hope to believe in hope to believe in the eternal story in such a way that it spurs us to act in faith uh, and to um, act in hope of some outcome that we can't necessarily predict and we don't control just like the friends didn't know what was going to happen next uh, but they acted in faith and that guy would do something whatever that was 
uh, and then this is that sort of hopeful exercise of faith uh, that I think that you know we want to be focused on uh, uh, in our time. And so with that, uh, I hope this has this reflection has been helpful for you uh, and grace and peace. You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy Newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.